0: Welcome to episode 340 and 1 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Yes, he's wearing his scary hat. Yes, he's wearing a metal band shirt. Yes, all the boxes are checked as Russell John, the fisherman. You don't like me wearing the hat over the headphones, do you? Uh, It's weird. I don't like it because it's (laughs) crooked. You're wearing a crooked hat. You look like a terrible version of cc sabathia dude the crooked hat is the way that you want reference for
1: no one i didn't get it so good job cc
0: sabathia is a pitcher uh he was with the cleveland indians and the new york yankees randy may be back in he is from valencia california
2: yeah that's i'm half in now
1: <laughs> randy's more of a catcher
2: himself okay. anyway
1: the crooked hat is the my way of letting strangers know that i'm zany and i got hot takes then i'd probably do a plot that's not the connotation of a crooked <laughs> hat It's zany no dude put just a fucking know. propeller on there everybody will know also joining us is
0: oksana valerian of osachi hello oksana how are you today i'm great oksana you came in a little about 15 minutes ago just uh you had some hot takes On a new menu item uh, that has been (laughs) resurfaced by the Taco Bell Corporation, uh, parent company Yum Brands.
3: That's true, yes.
0: The Uh, Mexican pizza, you're not a fan.
3: The Mexican pizza took over my Instagram feed for a a whole solid day when it came out. I don't know, the pictures were not particularly appetizing, but we ordered them anyway (laughs) in the middle of the night on uh, Friday, which probably was a mistake. And they are trash. Oh damn,
1: Russell, were you? I feelings? enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. I now, if I had never met Oksana and tricked her into living with me, I would be <laughs> living solely off of hot pockets and cheese and tortilla. Yeah. So it kind of felt something <laughs> akin to what I would have made. Mm-hmm. Um, we did order them in big. Uh, it was like a package bundle. That is that for for, for our listeners
0: who don't know it, it. What you just said has unlocked. It just <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if our listeners are are, are, are getting on to exactly what you've said because if it, it the description of what you <laughs> just said by saying by you saying. Uh-huh. That it is like something I would have made. Oh, okay. That raises a flag with me. But <laughs> I wouldn't touch that with a 39 and a half foot pole. Dude,
1: I'll <laughs> tell you this. If I if I would have made it, it would have looked more appetizing though. Oh, this boy. was so unesthetically pleasing. This it is damning been, evidence torture. This could have also
3: pizza. been the Taco Bell that usually that for some reason is the only one that delivers to us, even though we're like in between two taco bells. I feel like that one isn't great. So maybe it could have been on them. I don't know. But um, I was not
1: impressed. No, if you've ever studied or thought about what a garnish does to a dish, like once you get past like, wait, I don't eat that. And then you realize, (laughs) oh, well, it's more pleasing to the eye, which can lend to the overall enjoyment of the meal. And then you look at the fucking Mexican pizza that showed up. It needs something. The box got a little bit of flair going on, but you open that shit up and it looks like two stale giant chips with like a ladle of old reed fried breans on top. It is like, <laughs> cool. I, I we were there with um, Terrell and his boyfriend. His boyfriend had worked at Taco Bell prior mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, this isn't even... Uh, the triple blend of cheese. This is something different. And he was like, no. Oh. <laughs>
3: right. So it could have just been that location. So you're right. I'm it from. might've been
1: our, but I'm looking at her screen where All she pulled up.
3: Pictures look so much better than they whatever we got.
1: Nothing like what we got. Which
0: Taco Bell, the one in Milbury or the one in San Bruno?
3: I think it's the
0: Milbury. Oh, that's your problem. Yeah. Don't go to that one. No. they
3: also left out one of our, because the thing we ordered came with, <laughs> was supposed to come with two pizzas, one thing of nachos, a burrito or two burritos. And the like cinnamon twists, they left out one of our cinnamon twists.
0: Yeah, they fucked up. (laughs) Well, to help us unlock this mystery, we're bringing in our resident expert, Randy Michael Statt, who's uh, currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, the reason why he is our resident expert in this, because he is actually part Mexican and part Italian, uh, which brings up the Mexican pizza. So, Randy, uh, what are your viewpoints on this? Have you had the new Mexican
2: pizza? Nice segue. I didn't even think about that. I have not had the new one, but I did have the original years ago. I remember my mom actually used to order the Mexican pizza a lot when we would go to uh, Taco Bell. Um, my, my opinion is that we're going to need to wait for it to get good again. It's, a, <laughs> it's an old menu item. They took it off. This is like the beta version, you know, okay. and they're probably like kind of angry that they're like, oh, we have this thing that like we don't remember how to make that we're going to have to start making again. So, you got to give them, like, give them a couple months and it might be good again.
0: But, Randy, again, this is, uh, this is a corporation. Taco uh-huh. Bell's a monster. They, they need to get this shit figured out before they bring it back.
4: What I know. I'm
0: think? just
2: talking about reality, though.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, the, the amount of, of test and test marketing that they do in these things, like, you know, if it's not going to work, it's not going to work.
2: Yeah, but you can't also uh, predict what the employees at these places are going to, uh, I don't know, feel about a oh, new menu item bringing in. back. Well, you, I'm just saying that this is the reality that we're living in, that it's bad right now, uh, but it might get better.
0: Did it, did it start with the sour cream squirt gun <laughs> and the uh, guacamole squirt gun? Although I refuse to get guacamole at Taco Bell.
2: I I've, you know, never have.
1: I don't know. Cause cause Mexican, I don't know what it is. I'm out on the Mexican pizza now. You know, to quote my favorite uh, American president, "Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, <laughs> you can't fool me twice." The late great George Bush, who's died, R.I.P. <laughs> <R>. <laughs> hey, we uh, can we talk briefly about uh, you bringing me out to go to a comedy show? One of sure, uh, yeah. We um, Clark introduced me to Kyle Dunnigan, who does amazing um, deep fake technology. You you can never tell. He could he could <laughs> <laughs> he could uh be any celebrity at any time and you would never know. Um uh okay I I guess I should say you can totally tell because the deep fake is hilarious. It's his own bit. Yeah. But his impersonations are incredible. He fucking nails them. Very and, good. I mean, one of my personal favorites is Jeff Goldblum. Much better than the uh Bad Ben 7 Jeff Goldblum. But uh <laughs> yeah, I went out, man, I've I I have a new appreciation for comedy and I was very excited to go out to a club. And it's funny because Oksana had told me, uh, don't worry. I'd like to get there and like sit closer. He's not really a crowd work guy. Yeah. And I told her, I was like, Oh God, I didn't even think you would like consider that. (laughs) I was completely full bore though. I'm like, fuck it. Let's go front. I don't care anymore. Yeah. And uh, I realized while sitting there, even if you're not getting picked on by the comedian, Like Dave Chappelle in the clumps. Was that the clumps where he was like roasting uh, Eddie Murphy? Never saw the clumps. Oh, is Dr. Duluth? I don't know. I think it was like, you've never seen the clumps. Chappelle was in the clumps? I believe he's doing a stand up comedian thing and uh, Eddie Murphy's in a fat suit Mm -hmm. and he starts roasting him in the crowd. Like he picks him out and just like tearing him up. I could be completely wrong, but Eddie Eddie Murphy in a a fat suit does not narrow down
2: the amount of this (laughs) because it could be Norbit. Oh, it might, maybe it's Norbit. I don't know. Dave Rint? Chappelle is in the Nutty Professor, apparently. There, oh, well, it was the, the Nutty yeah, Professor. There you go.
1: I said that, and I was thinking it was the guy who could talk to animals. But that's is that that's Doolittle.
2: That's okay. No
1: fatso. Fat. Fat. Okay, I. So I do have an appreciation for comedy, although I cannot recall any movie or their title. And um, I realized you're still participating no matter what because I found myself in my head thinking like, I thought that was funny. I feel like I should laugh. Cause yeah. what, what, what if you're just like internalizing that, and not laughing? I feel like that's actually kind of hurting the environment. Am I wrong there? I don't know what you mean. Like if, like if you're really enjoying it and there's a comedian, but you're not laughing, like yeah. you're not, uh, oh, well that, that, so that is a longstanding, um, that
0: seems like a conversation real that I have. And so, um, when I went to Salt Lake City for my birthday and, and hung out with, uh, Amanda. Yeah, yeah. A friend who we all know are mutual friends with. Um, you know, we saw Mark Marin. And after the show, she was like, you're a tough laugh, aren't you? Because I, I didn't laugh out yeah, yeah. loud a whole lot. But I was smiling the whole time. And it was the same thing at, at the show. Um, and I tried to explain to her that, you know, that I still um, inhibit a comedian's skin. And I still will think like a comedian
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, with joke structure, and th- that that doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. And when I hear a good joke that is rooted in classic joke structure, I will smile and maybe give a light chuckle. But I'm not going to, you know, verbally laugh. Outside things that make me laugh more are more off the cuff, more organic, um, and and frankly, lean more towards the weird and chaotic. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's, what's really going to make me laugh. Um, or, you know, something incredibly dark, uh, that doesn't get the laugh that it wants to. And then I'll laugh. Um, and I think that, you know, with comedians in general, um, you know, that was, that was just something that, you know, in a club, we would be sitting in the back and we would just be like, Oh, that's a good joke. And that is, a, that is a high form of praise. Yeah, yeah. Of, instead of laughing, it's just like, all right, that's a good joke. Uh, you know. I t- and so that's sort of the thing. And because she knew one other comedian who had a different opinion, she's like, <laughs> well, I disagree. I was like, well, this is a fucking dumb argument.
1: Well, I totally get it. I, um, here's a really dumb way to relate to that. But back in the day when I was on unemployment and I thought, I either need to do music or film. I abandoned music mostly because it was hurting my appreciation of it. Like I was playing guitar and I'm not great. And I would just like hear music and think about the guitar work. And I'm like, I, c- I'm, this is like a different kind of enjoyment now. Like, I feel like I'm analyzing the craft instead of enjoying the, the, uh, the fruits of the labor. Yeah. And I, I'm glad I backed off it. And now I, I mean, I'm sure we all do it with film. We can't just like, let it wash over you. You're thinking about things the whole time. Yeah. Film's just so vast. Like we, you could talk about one movie for an hour and still have a ton of shit. You never hit where with comedy. I was totally like, I, because I, I know kill Tony's open mic shit, but a lot of that is analyzing the craft too. So I totally get it when you're sitting there and just like, oh, that was a good joke. But like, I'm like, fuck, I feel like I got to like verbalize this laugh. Otherwise it's fucking weird. I don't know. Well, yeah, at some point, somebody's got to take up
0: the slack of, in some of that, it, because it is a communal thing, Yeah, um, and it's also infectious, um, and I think that adds to you know, the element of, of doing live comedy. Having said that, I've never liked comedy clubs.
1: I, um, yeah, we were talking about that briefly. And
0: I did not uh, I had what did, you, what did you think of the venue? Because Cobb's fucked up on two fundamental
1: things for me. Um i've always thought i oh god okay first off i should say i don't have a lot of experience with comedy clubs period mm-hmm. i've been to Cobbs before i think like three times and i've been to like the purple onion with you yeah and it, comparing the two that i've ever been to i thought the purple onion was cooler because it felt like more raw yeah even though the people i saw there were like you and like you know it felt like um people were in it for the hobby or like they're trying to build a career where at cobs it felt kind of like uh this is like a set people are working on but it's still not like great because they're at cobs yeah but then you also get the corporate end where it's kind of like if uh this is going to be very local but it's almost like dna lounge versus uh slims r.i.p where slims felt very organized but constricting and that's how i always feel like cobs too i'm like yeah let me breathe in here like y'all put me in the seat and i don't fucking like it and there was no reason here i always felt more comfortable in like rock
0: clubs doing shows because oh. i felt like i had more free range do people stand up or sit um, down
1: it, it depends because well, uh, I, I, yeah. the first thing i think of is the Fillmore. where the yeah. Fillmore, whenever like because the chapelle goes there a lot it's always they there's tables out there yeah but uh, you know like a metal show it could be show dependent but and many times you know people would be standing um,
0: but you know, with Cobbs, it was frigidly cold in there. Oh yeah. It was frigidly cold. cold. And then the sound was shit. Yeah, The sound was not The good. sound yeah. was awful. Yeah. It honestly detracted from the show with, with Dunnigan because Dunnigan's going all over the place. He's going to the keyboard. Yep. You could barely hear
1: it. You could barely hear the keyboard. It was, it was truly terrible. Well, here's the other thing. We went to the earlier of the two shows. Did that hurt it? Like, do you want to go to the later show? T- Typically, I don't know if they would have fucked it. I don't know if they would have fixed it. I would like to imagine. Also, not nearly as crowds. As
0: I thought that first show was going to be. No. Well, because the, the Apple sent me, oh, it's almost sold out. Hell no. You could have put 100 a, more people in there. There was room. Easy.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a bummer because uh, Dunnigan, he does great work. And you're right. There was, a, there was a crowd segment where he actually gave away shit. There was a he played music. Then he also did his online thing like literally pulled a game that he does live streaming with the people doing it live. And I'm like, this is underappreciated and it crashed and, uh, yeah, and it crashed, which honestly, I kind of like it though. Yeah. I like seeing how people work through it. And like, like him, he's got a uh, charisma. Yeah. And he, and he rolled, rolled with, with it. it. Yeah. yeah. It was well, great. He's a professional He's been doing, doing stand up for a long time. Yeah. Um, again, I only, I brought this up because I wanted to transition from my Bush quote into talking about one of the openers doing about 10 to 15 minutes on all Bush jokes. Yeah. Like not, not the president. Like uh, it started off by dealing with conflict by pushing people into a Bush. I, I think that's where I'm at now with the appreciating comedy is like, um, just a weird premise and running with it. And I was like, Oh, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Not that I've heard a lot, but I was like, dude, I'm enjoying uh, this the bush. openers were great. Yeah,
0: they were good. I thought they were great.
1: Yeah, again, thank you for bringing us out It was there. a good show. I would like to go to more comedy, although I do feel a little weird going to comedy with you because I always want to be like, hey, man, get back into this shit. I you don't
0: know. No. I know. I know, and no I don't
1: even bring it up. It's very no weird. You get very violent whenever I bring it up.
0: Well, I just don't like comedy clubs. Like, I, don't,
1: I don't like the scene. Well, dude, uh, you got to build a new way to do it. How would you do it? How, what do you think the ideal way of doing comedy would be? Well, it's, you know,
0: the, the club thing, especially here, uh because there's two main clubs. You've got the punchline mm-hmm. and you've got Cobbs. They're both good clubs. Yeah. Punchline's one of the best clubs in the country. Uh, Cobbs is pretty good. I feel like Cobbs has gone down a little bit. <laughs> um that was embarrassing about the sound. That was that was not good. Yeah. That was bad. Um, and that should not happen. Um because, you know, Cobbs has been around a long time and should be And Cobbs is a name, and it should be a long-standing institution, and it's really not. But (laughs) the Punchline and Cobbs are both owned by Live Nation, which is Ticketmaster. And so they've got a monopoly in the city. So no other comedy clubs can can, uh, book other comedians because if you want to work with Live Nation, then you have to work at those two clubs. And so that's why other clubs in the city can't survive, because when they want to get bigger names, those bigger names are more than likely going to want stage time at a punchline
1: stage time at Cobbs. And then, no, they're, they're handcuffed. So, uh, OK, before we get out of this, I'm just curious, is there like a culture among comedians that would attract them to a sh- like a venue that would be more fun to perform than lucrative?
0: I think so, but it, it, it's, you know, it, it depends on you know, uh, several different things. You know, if, if they're at that point in their career yeah. where they're able to do that, then so forth. But, you know, again, I think that, you know, the, um, the number of people is very, very narrow in that regard. Like we had talked about before when we had Dean uh, fleischer yeah, who worked with uh, Brody Stevens. Uh, we were in talks with Brody to come and work at the Purple Onion at Kells. But Brody also you know, wanted to work at Cobb's and work at the punchline and you know, we're handcuffed and we couldn't get him.
1: How fucking... Now, I know people listening, you might have been to the Purple Onion. I've only went because Clark uh, brought us out there. How fucking cool would it have been to have Brody Stevens and in the I fucking purple? It. I would have loved it. It would have been a completely different thing, though. Yeah. It would have been like you're at the fucking Parkside as opposed to even DNA. Like it feels like just raw, I mean, we ended up getting some people like Jesse Joyce. We got, I worked with him,
0: uh, Jesse Joyce, you know, he's a stand up, but he's a longstanding comedy writer. Um, he was one of the main writers on that, uh, game show that Chris Hardwick did. Oh no. Uh, at midnight. Yeah. At midnight. Yeah. And he was on at midnight actually, a lot. I actually like so, that show. Yeah. And so that's why we got, we got Jesse Joyce who's on at midnight and, um, you know, that, and then also Rich Scheidner, um, who's, you know, uh, one of the, uh, you know, old vanguards of Mm -hmm. stand-up and I learned a lot working with him but you know again it was just um, but uh, you know uh, again my my experience was on uh, you know the the ground floor more you know independent side of things but anytime that I would peek into the the corporate side Of that, especially with you know Live Nation, Ticketmaster, Mm -hmm. it was just disgusting and vile. (laughs) It sounds like. And I just wanted to, I just repelled against that part of it. Um, You know, I had an opportunity to work at Cobbs and I didn't because I thought I was making a stand. (laughs) (laughs) So I I would do shit like that. And then also, oh, if you want to work at the Punchline, you got to stand outside every Sunday night for a year.
1: uh, And then eventually they'll let you in. I'm like, I don't fucking do that. Fuck you. I'm not doing that. So I didn't and you know just in an attempt to better illustrate what i'm talking about when i say like raw like imagine you go to a show and everything is just working like clockwork like they get people in they have a merch area they sit you down the show happens and they move you out and it's very like you know uh just well oiled um that's an aesthetic and a feel uh and it can be perfect like if you're going to a fucking huge show i want that i want to be in and out but if you're going to see like brody at a club where it's like Maybe they don't have people working the door, or maybe there isn't a line. And there's, if there's merch, it's him selling it at a table. Brody's energy in a small room like the purple would have been one of my favorite oh, things of my life. Yeah, yeah, no, because it would have been pure chaos. All right, well, open a club. Yeah, open a below a bar club and uh, attract some vlogger talent. You got, you got to have low ceilings. Some TikTok talent. Also, comes has a balcony. It's
0: weird. I did. I didn't know that. It barely, it barely constitutes as a
1: Cobb C- has the vibe where if I get up from my table, I feel like I'm going to be approached by somebody and be like, where are you going? Like, I, uh, I yeah. I'm an idiot and I had my pocket knife on me when we were walking up there and I went, oh shit. <laughs> and I just turned around and I was like, I'm trying to hide this. The dude at the door totally, he totally knew. He totally fucking knew I did that. And I think he laughed like when he was like, oh, here, let me wand you down because he wanded you, right? Yeah. He yeah, smuggled you, that you in? He
3: looked in my bag.
1: It was like right there. The I mean, blade was out. I feel like they it's just like, oh, whatever to
3: make sure you don't have any like alcohol or something. Or they're
1: like they're pushing past the knives and the guns. Like no beer. Okay, good. <laughs> that's where they make them money. All right, I'm <gasps> done. What Rooster Teeth Feathers is closed? <laughs> what? what is that? <laughs> I just wanted
0: to plug Rooster Teeth Feathers, and uh, I think it's closed.
1: Well, when every door shuts, right, another door opens. Thought, dude. Maybe this is your opportunity, dude. That's sad. Pull the trigger. if That's true. Oh, well.
0: Time to build. Christy T- Fez was a great club. Uh, Tommy T's, not so much.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't know
2: either of them. So. No. All right. I, okay. Randy, Tommy T's was in Randy's backyard. Yeah, it's in Pleasanton. It's right by the uh, in and out So I would pass it all the time, but I never went to the venue. All right. Did you ever go to a comedy club, Randy? Yeah. I mean, I've been to. Two shows out here. Um, oh, and then Atlanta? Clark and I, yeah. Randy and I saw, uh, Richard Lewis at Cobbs. Yeah. That was great. I saw Nikki Glazer out here and I saw Chris stefano Chrissy D. Both yeah, were very thing. fun. Randy, but, did you yeah, see I, I did. Yeah. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Oh, wait. I have been to another comedy show. I saw, uh, John Lovitz in. Uh, in oh,
2: that's uh, right. We went together.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. We saw John Lovitz in fucking Arizona. Stand up line applied. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was kind of depressing,
1: but I love John Lovitz. I don't care what Clark says. You cannot change my position John on Lovitz that. John Lovitz is a dick. I, lo- <laughs> I dude, but he's also. Look at him. Look at him. He also had one of the worst comedy clubs in the country. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for me, that adds to it. It really makes yeah. that fourth dimension of, uh... And everybody's like, how is you
0: as a... How could a comedian make the worst comedy club <laughs> ever? Why was it bad? Well, high ceilings. And it was oh, in, like, a sure. strip mall or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just poorly run. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is the thing.
1: I, um, I don't think we did anything else this week,
0: so... Yeah, we're going hard and heavy on, uh, stuff up top because, uh... I don't have a whole lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, right I mean, I've watched people. two movies this week, but one we've all seen and the other we can't talk about until Thursday's episode. So that's just where we're at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You want to start this thing officially? Let's do it. All right. Let's. Uh, oh, do we have a uh, bingo cards ready? Oksana? Did they come in from Kinko's? Um,
2: Kinko's still yet. a thing? <laughs> not yet. Hold on. <laughs> I think they merged with FedEx, didn't they?
1: I just, I liked. uh, I was really, I teed it up there for her to play a little bit of a theater of the mind, and she, (laughs) and you, you did it. You were you, you stepped in. You got your feet wet, and then you just backed the fuck out like immediately.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. We're not going to be able to book you at a Rooster Teeth. Yeah, your your improv skills are are (laughs) lacking. (laughs) They're
3: under development.
1: All right. Well, I don't know. We got any uh, wagers, prayers, thoughts for uh, this new riveting david lynch well
0: again as a reminder to everyone here and everyone listening last week we recorded on a saturday and now we're on a sunday so i do think that his spiel is different on saturdays and sundays so um you're totally right again i feel like last week it was all like oh the the engineer wanted to say everyone's (laughs) wonderful yeah and I don't know if we're going to get that. No problem. So, not. and also no mention of coffee, which may be the first time that I have heard David Lynch speak a series of sentences and not mention the word coffee. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. So, he didn't mention coffee. Yeah.
1: I, I fe- Weird. Yeah.
0: So I think you got to default to coffee. Okay. You got to history is proven. And again, you know, the best predictor, of future behavior is past behavior. Okay, <laughs> until it's not. Yeah. So I think that we're going to have a relapse of coffee here. Randy, you got any
1: predictions?
2: Yeah, I think we're getting a uh, observation car. Maybe like you know, reading a book with the coffee in the observation car.
1: Oh, a book! You're introducing a book. I don't think a book's going to show up. Ooh. I uh, I couldn't read him though. He landed today. We picked him up. Not very chatty, which is normal. Um i'm gonna st- uh, the only thing i can say is i don't think he's gonna do any politics oh yeah war's over. bummer <laughs> oh it is yeah. <laughs> That just this news to me the war is over okay <laughs> well then maybe he'll be another uh we'll have another hippie moment from him all right all right let's bring him in let's bring uh oh do you have an intro for him no okay i'll do it uh legendary filmmaker coffee enthusiast, director of Factory Mask, and Laura Palmer, the short that he was uncredited for. Uh, Here's David Lynch. Good morning. It's May
4: 22, 2022, and it's a Sunday. Today, day two of weekend projects, and I hope you all can enjoy... Riding the fun work train. <laughs> Today, I'm going to be working with resin, metal, and glue.
0: Everyone, Whoa. have a great day. Dude, that is okay. He, he, he's <laughs> just going through the motions now. Oh, my God.
1: God, he phoned that shit in. He's just going through the motions, dude. Uh, so I think we were all wrong. Oh, no, I was right. I uh predicted a negative. So I, I don't know if that even counts, honestly. But if also you're being a- you
2: mentioned Laura Palmer, Clark is drinking an Arnold Palmer. Oh my god, lemonade, the iced tea. Oh, if I knew
1: how to work the soundboard better, I would have had that ready.
4: Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah okay there you go see i'm good at this <laughs> randy could you edit that out to where there's not 14 seconds of silence <laughs> in between the drops i was planning on it all right no randy dude get ready then because you're gonna need a notepad we're gonna need a lot of editing coming up here because i uh i woke up today no here we go let's tell the whole story last night uh i was predicting our D game ending early So I was like, oh, I'm going to come back. I'm going to watch a bunch of movies. I'm going to have everything ready for the next day. Uh, The opposite happened. It ran late. So I got home around midnight in a little bit of a panic. And I was like, I need to watch a fucking movie. So let's order some. uh, What did we order?
3: We went to a drive through.
1: We went to a drive through. We went to Wendy's. And I'm like, you know what? Um, Fuck it. You know, my heart's going to explode one day. But. (laughs) I need this energy because I have to watch a movie and I'm very tired. So uh, I ate a Baconator and a Frosty. <laughs> oh, my God. And I. And uh, champions. And, and, I, and when I was done, I went, you know what? I'm not going to put any ketchup on these fries. I'm going to do something good for me. Why are you <laughs> laughing? Someone's <Oksana's laughs> laughing at me. I did it. I was like, you know, I'm going to make a sacrifice right now. Then when I finished those fries, I went. I am way too tired to watch a movie, and yeah. I went to bed. <laughs> of course. And uh, so I woke up. I woke up extra early. Um, the panic was still there, oddly, and I uh, read and I um, prepared and I had too much time. So we've got a lot going on here, Randy. Again, uh, I hope you have your notepad ready, and uh, we've got a a little bit of a segment here. <laughs> The TBR report. I know. You're looking at me so confused. Because we're not doing the TBR. Report. So Thomas Burke wrote an email. Uh, again, uh, if you haven't listened to our last episode, we had Thomas. Oh, I almost said in studio. I'm clearly having a mental breakdown. He called in, but we hung out with him for a while. And He's talked, here in, in spirit. In spirit every day. Um, he haunts the house. Anyway, Thomas, Smoking his cigarettes. Thomas wrote, so Turner Clay decided to surprise us and drop the Blackwell Ghost 6 today. Now I'm going to stop there. This email was two days ago. He also texted me, um, posted on Found Footage Critic. Instagram messaged me. DM'd you, went on IMDb, added the movie, and went on Letterboxd and added it. Uh, And if I'm being honest with everybody listening right now, I haven't been so excited to watch a movie Oh, fuck. In here I'm gen I'm gen being genuine right
0: now. I'm right there with you. When he sent me that DM, I had back-to-back meetings on Friday, <laughs> uh, both of which were gonna suck. And I saw that message uh that came in like 10 minutes into meeting one. Oh. And I just got so excited. Um <laughs>
1: It's weird,
0: yeah, because uh, no one knew about it. Because we and we had just talked about it. We did, We're like, dude, when is when is the new Blackwell Ghost coming? Um, and and it has now. Uh, I, I, I all right. So are, are you prefacing Thursday's Here, episode? L- let
1: me get let me get through this email. Okay. It's not long. Um, he said I instantly per- purchased this on Vimeo, but it's also an Amazon Prime US. Uh, the synopsis is a filmmaker attempts to capture paranormal events on a camera all while trying to protect his children from the ghost that haunts their house. Okay, so I can't spoil anything about this because uh, the story is just way too crazy. I literally got chills within the first two minutes of turning it on. I definitely need to hear y'all's take. Love y'all all all the best. Uh, He attached a picture of Turner Clay um, and the poster, and that was it. He didn't even do like a sign-off or anything, and I knew why. Because he was completely taken by the release of this movie. And I was at work. uh, It's it's a little bit of a different situation. Clark's at home working from uh, the podcast room. I was at work (laughs) loading boxes. And I had the thought. It flittered into my head. I was like, maybe I could leave early. (laughs) And honestly, the only reason I didn't uh, explore that idea more was because I didn't want to watch the movie on the projector with light pollution. Like, when we watched the other films together, um, talking to Oksana here, uh, we, what, it was like fucking 11 o'clock at night, and we were down there, it was perfect. We had snacks, we just like went through, fuck, I think we went through two, three, and four.
3: Mm-hmm. I do think we've, we've uh, lessened the light pollution, but.
1: Oh, we did. We, we hung up a, a moving blanket. <laughs> it looks fucking terrible, but it works. <laughs> All right. Clark's back. I can stop stalling. What happened? Where did, where did you go? Don't worry about it. You're chewing something. Mm-hmm. So I think you left to go. Do you eating candy? mm Sure. Let's put it <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> that was <laughs> So Sweet, uh, again, uh, Thomas dropped this. Um, we we're like, fuck, man. We just had him on the goddamn show. And this why couldn't this have happened like two days prior? And we could have <laughs> talked about it. It would have worked out. So I was like, well, how about this? Why don't we just invite him back again? And we just do a deep dive on the episode. Which I think is precisely what happened the
0: first time we had Thomas on. And then a few days later, we had him on to talk about the Black Blackwell ghost
1: as a whole episode. I think you're right. That 100% happened because I was on things. <laughs> okay. So clearly Turner Clay is tuning into our show and now, tormenting us. So I have seen it. You two still have not yeah, seen it say at anything. the time of this record. Yeah. But
0: for Thursday's episode, uh, we'll be bringing that to you. Um, and you know, we will be focusing primarily on, on what's going on at six, but um I'd like to do a, a little refresher here, but um <clears throat> what I will say is that Thomas is right um, don't I don't like this changes everything.: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and I've seen and it's <clears throat> what Turner Clay has done, we haven't really seen before we we've never seen a, a a ghost story done like the blackwell ghost okay that's a good tease and we've never I'm seen scared. no stop and we've never seen a filmmaker like turner clay and the way that turner clay is making these films <laughs> I, 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 I know did. what i'm doing i'm just scared. trust, just trust right. me here i'm not going to spoil anything um, But i just want to say i'm trying to i'm trying to build up okay. this <laughs> um with turner clay we don't know what is true, and what is not, and he has built quite the universe now, and we go in a completely different direction, and it is heart wrenching. Okay, okay, hit the brakes. You're scaring me. And now. it, uh, you know, it, 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 it.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, what I was going to say is I've seen Doctor Strange, and I uh, know how to deal in the metaverse, and I'm more <laughs> excited for this movie. It's Randy <laughs> Randy <laughs> guffawed at me saying I know how to deal in the metaverse. All right, well, fuck you, Randy. Um, so on Thursday, uh, we'll be back with the TBR. This concludes the TBR report. The TBR
4: report. This concludes.
0: So we're going to rec- record with Thomas either Monday or Tuesday. So, Randy, you've got until Monday or Tuesday to watch six films. They're only an hour long.
2: What if I only watch six? All right. You're not going to get anything out of it. Uh, um, That's fine. Watch, watch three. I'm no. not going to
0: say you're not going to get anything out of it. It's not going to pack the emotional punch. Um, I'll read the wiki. All right.
1: Yeah, he'll read the wiki and then. Dude, all
0: it. the movies are like straight up an hour, and this thing is like a six. Uh, it's an hour and seven minutes.
1: Oh, it's an epic. <laughs> it's six, it's sixty seven minutes. As far as the Blackwell goes, goes that seven minutes is yeah very important. Um, okay, I'll I'll I'm gonna not spend a lot of time on this. I put out a call to arms if anybody wanted to do Discord. We got emails. I'm not gonna read them. Y'all, you you need to spice your shit up. You know what? Uh, the day of everybody's email getting read is over. We need a little bit of effort out of y'all. <laughs> so I appreciate it. It'll happen eventually. Um, when the time is right, the stars will align and we'll be two days late like Turner Clay with his movie. Anyway, I'm not going to just give you a, a tease of a TBR um, because we all know when the TBR is in lieu there's another segment that I came up with. It's the smash hit of the show. We've gotten thousands of followers because of everybody's new favorite segment.
4: When you boil it all down, what does a man really need? (laughs) Just a smoke and a cup of coffee.
2: (laughs) Ombre (laughs) dans le désert. It's not
1: that stinger. It's the best stinger. Uh, we're actually in the process. We've reached out to Podbean. We're gonna change the name of the whole podcast to
3: "Ombre uh... dans le désert." Unpronounceable.
1: Yeah, God, God. You know, here's a little behind the curtain talk. I uh, famously have a hundred and two email tabs open on my um browser screen, <laughs> and I was panicking before the show because I could not find that translation, and I had forgotten what it was translating, so I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know how to. To re it up? I don't know. I figured it out. I, I called our IT guy, and he helped me. Um, so today, what I was talking about was having too much time. Um, we've also banked an interview that I'm not going to mention too much. But I, in it, I mentioned how I started uh, writing in a book. That was today, this morning, for this segment. So today, I'm actually just going to read from the book a little bit. Because we have another director uh of a noir western this one um randy have you ever heard of uh andre de toth i don't think so now all right that's one of the um complaints i uh, i'm sorry you didn't ask me uh clark um i know you are our most knowledgeable and highbrow uh, most astute film critic in the room have you ever heard of Andre de Toth? Not even close. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is a quote from uh, Martin Scorsese that I wasn't going to read, but now uh, that you fucking plebs uh, have shown your hand. Martin Scorsese said, my favorite de Toff pitcher is perhaps Ramrod, a grim Western, which remains so fresh. Uh, <laughs> Now, one of the things, when I'm doing this, uh, every director... There's a great quote, right? I love how you
0: <laughs> opened your book.
1: It covered your entire camera. You, oh, you read like half a line. D- now, here's the thing. Wait, does the camera matter? Because I did hear Randy say he was going to record video today. We're not using this video, are we? We'll see what happens. I mean, we talked about it in text earlier this week. So, oh, my yeah. God. Well, then everybody can see my crooked hat. Also, this is the most embarrassing thing. We have these water bottles. That uh, you drink out of with this like little nozzle thing. I feel so demasculated. Every, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like I feel like a child with the sippy cup. I
0: don't, I, I, I don't do a squirt top ever. <laughs> well, it's not a squirt. You actually have to suck. I, don't, I No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not- I'm with you. I agree with you. I
1: rarely <laughs> agree with you. I'm with you in accord 100%. Oh, and I, I work with a dude. Uh, Chris, uh, he stepped in for Randy one time, a long time ago, as an engineer, he has a fucking sippy, like, like the squirt top. And in my head, when I'm reading, I hear, and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I call it the water nipple. I don't think I've ever said that out loud, but in my yeah. head, I'm like, Oh, there he is. The fucking water nipple. Yeah. That's like my inner voice. And then I'm reading and I'm like, oh, I got to go back now. Anyway, uh, let's get back into reading. So today I'm going to read a little bit about Andre to because, uh, in the past couple of segments I've done of this, I realized it's mostly about the director because these motherfuckers are characters. So uh, here we go. Um, life is hard in the films of Andre de Toth, who was born in 1913 and died in 2002. People often uh, betray each other, and in the process, they sometimes betray themselves too. In the pursuit of their own survival, they can also do bad things that result in violence and death. The brutality can come quickly, unexpectedly. At a chance meeting or a knock on the door, a person's life is radically changed or simply concluded. And when all is said and done, many of the characters have dirt on their hands, dirt that will probably never come off. It's not a pretty picture, but that's basically how Datath saw human beings and the ways he interacted with one another. I want to rub our nose in the mess we have created and how we shy away from the responsibility to clean it up, he said in an interview. (laughs) Oh, also I should, I'm, I'm breaking away here. This motherfucker, this author cites a blogger <laughs> twice and refers to them as a blogger wrote. And I'm just like, man, I love your book, <laughs> but God, you're losing points with that. And I, I thought about quoting the, but um, whatever, we'll get back into it. Um, in an age when most, uh, nope, here we go. While the tot was, uh, the consummate anti-Romantic by no means, uh, a cynic. In the harsh words of his films, heroes are usually flawed, but basically decent people fighting for their souls as well as their survival. Um. Skip ahead here. The son of a Hungarian hussar. No, hussar. I had to look that up. That's a cavalry rider in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, the son of a, a Hungarian hussar and a protege of a celebrated Hungarian playwright. He sported a... <laughs> here's another word I had to look up. piratical he sported a piratical eye patch and had seven wives reportedly fathered 19 children and loved to play the provocateur film schools teach you absolutely nothing he once wrote life is a betrayal let's have the guts to admit it he proclaimed in a 1990s interview um the eye patch i think last time i talked about a director who had an eye patch Thanks to a listener, we learned that he lost his eye in a car accident in 1920, somehow avoiding a hair. He ended up losing his eyeball (laughs) in this book. They don't show him. You know what? I can show the camera. They don't show him with an eye patch. But once again, they don't mention why he wore one. He looks like Walt Disney. Dude, he's a handsome (laughs) dude, right? Now they don't mention again. They just like kind of glance over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had an eye patch. So me and Oksana were looking it up uh, on his Wikipedia page. It says Dutt lost sight in one eye and wore a black eye patch. As a 1994 report in the Indian in, in the Independent noted, this led to an almost deadly incident. The piratical black patch Dutt sports over his left left eye almost cost him his life. Scouting for locations in Egypt. Shortly after the Yom Kippur War of 1973, Datoth was kidnapped, pistol whipped, and interrogated by a group of vengeful young men who had mistaken him for Moshe Dayan. Dayan. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. He only escaped with his life after a quick examination. Now, Clark, you don't want to pay attention to this. A quick examination of his groin. Detoth claimed that uh, far from being an Israel commander, he wasn't even Jewish. Oh boy. I know. <laughs> so again, it's the only mention in the Wikipedia. They also don't talk about it. I, I guess he was like shy about how he lost uh, sight in that eye. Did you find something about that?
3: I just saw one article. Um, some guy who, who like interviewed him a bunch said he, he wasn't forthcoming about it. All
1: right. Well, born on May 15th fellow Taurus This is probably why I love this man. Uh, all right, now bear with me. I'm going to get through his real name. Born Sosvarvi Farkis Falvi Tothfulusi Toth Endra Anral Milhali in Mako, <laughs> Hungary. I, I don't think I got a single one of those right. Yeah, I don't think so. uh, But uh, clearly, when you have eight different names, that's yeah. too many. Um, he grew up in relative wealth and comfort. His father, who had retired from the Hussars to become a civil engineer, was devastated to learn that his son, who gravitated towards the art, had declared he had no intention of joining his father's elite regiment. While still a teenager, Datof became writing plays and uh, became connected with a very celebrated Hungarian playwright. Um, Yeah, this goes on for a while. I'm going to abandon it. I ended up watching a a film he made later on in his career called Day of the Outlaw. The thing that attracted me to this, especially when the other film was called Ramrod, which is the name of our favorite pimp, right? It is. Um, fuck you, Iceberg Slim. What the hell is the name? I can never... Vice, Vice Squad. Squad. I can never remember that goddamn name. Who the fuck is the actor? Wings Houser. Wings Houser. I'm sorry. Oh my God. So Wings Houser plays Ramrod, and what I kept... What's wrong thinking, with you? I don't know. Time. And I, it's the hat. It's too it tight. Um, it's crooked. And uh, I was thinking, maybe maybe ramrod's named after that movie and i should dive into it the thing is day of the outlaw now it, 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 fucking instagram they do a terrible job of setting up these movies um, um imdb uh the synopsis they have for day of the outlaw is so bad i'm not even going to read it but here randy i'm going to pitch this directly to you day of the outlaw opens with a uh, dispute There are a couple of gentlemen. One of them is clearly a tough cowboy type, while one of them is a civilian who's uh, looking to improve his homestead. The civilian is married to uh, the hottest girl in town, which the cowboy has a crush on, and she kind of loves him too. So there's a dispute. And uh, again, this is a Western noir. So all the rules are fucking out the window. Anything can happen here. And uh, there's a little bit of infidelity. There's a kiss. And uh, we're building up to a duel. And uh, the civilian dude, who clearly has never even shot a gun in his life, enlists two of the other tougher guys, They don't. this cowboy would clearly cut through them. But he's there, and they got guns, and they're like, I'm, I'm not going to let you burn down my house. There's a dispute. Watch the movie. You'll get into it. But there's this moment where the cowboy has one buddy. He's a drunk, and he's passed out at the bar because he knew this time was coming. And they're going to have a showdown. And the cowboy turns to his buddy who's passed out on the bar, and he says, hey, pick up that bottle roll it towards the wall. When that bottle hits the wall, this this is on. We fire. And uh the three dudes who are clearly they even though the odds are 3 to 1, they don't want this to happen. As an audience member, you're kind of you sympathize with both of them. This is very early on in the movie. Uh beautiful shot. It the bottle's rolling down, anticipation is welling. You don't know what's going to happen. Right before that bottle hits, the fucking saloon door gets kicked open and a gang of dudes walk in and they're just like, give us your guns. Like we're staying here for the night. And it's like, oh shit. So now I'd like to akin this to fucking a horror movie. It felt like a home invasion, but it was a town invasion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Through interrogation, we learned that there's only 20 people living here. There's only four girls in town and these dudes are on the run. The army's coming after him, and they're like, we're going to be here for a while, and we're taking over. Give us all your guns. We're going to destroy them, and you listen to us. Now, there's one saving grace. The dude who's running the gang was a general in the army, and he's got integrity. And uh, the book writes a lot about how Detoth, uh he really liked dudes with integrity. You didn't have to be good or bad, but you just had to have like some sort of code. You can't just be willy-nilly. And this movie turns into the cowboy who fought for that town to be kind of built up. Is now losing it to a farmer. So it's kind of like the product of his work where the dude who shows up is also a man of like code, but we soon discover that, uh, he's been shot. So this dude will keep his gang together and he promises nobody will get hurt. He says, put the women over there and we'll be here for the night and we leave. He also says, lock up all the whiskey. These dudes are not allowed to have any. And they do a great job of building this story where you see people out back sneak in a bottle. And one of them breaks it. And he's like, dude, he said no. Have you ever seen what he does to people who break his orders? And you get respect, right? Well, the dude goes upstairs and he's got a wound. He's not going to make it. And also, uh, the gang leader looks a little uh, Orson Wellian, Mm. which is fantastic. Fat Orson Welles? Fat Orson Welles. He's laying on a table. And uh, the doctor, who has only worked on cows prior to this man, uh, ha- was reading a medical book and is pleading to the cowboy, I don't know what I'm doing. And it read in, I read in here, if the bullet's too deep, you might be internally bleeding and you'll die. And he's like, "I don't. what does that look like? I don't know how to stop that. And you genuinely are like, oh, these dudes are fucked. And the guy comes in, lays down, and they're like, all right, here, take some whiskey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the bullet out of you. And he's like, no, I'm not taking it. And there's this moment where they're playing a what is what is that surgical game where you don't want to touch the edge? Operation. Operation. They're playing Operation there, and Orson Welles is sweating, and the doctor is shaking because the dude came in and said, "You better save his life, or I'm going to kill you." It's a perfect uh, situation to remove a bullet. This film just fucking works. The cinematography is beautiful, black and white. Um, We get a little bit of Hateful Eight because they're snowed in here too. To add to the like, you can't go out there because you'll die. Dude, I highly recommend this film. Um, I was telling Clark uh, before we started recording, this has the unique problem of ramping up so divinely in the beginning that when we kind of hit a pace where um, we're just playing the story out, it's not as fulfilling. But um, man, for Noir Western, it's hard to top this one, especially where the, the film ends up going. Um again it's called Day of the Outlaw. This is available on YouTube. Uh there's a beautiful fucking uh transfer or I don't know transfer it's a transfer to the internet. It looks beautiful. One complaint. There's like four highly dramatic moments in this movie. Uh one where there's like an on-screen romance that shouldn't be happening. One where a dude might be killed. One where we're doing an operation and a fucking watermark appears right center in the screen. And I've never seen this before. What's the watermark say? I don't it's just some brand thing. It feels very corporate. Yeah. But just for a movie that is like fucking working. Yeah. Watermark. And you're like, oh, what the hell? And it only happens four times at the it's almost like um like uh the argument we have about Tubi having commercials at the wrong moment. Even though I think Tubi is uh they're behind it and they know what they're doing and they do a good job. This film fucks it up. It's fucking terrible. Um, I, I want to give a shout-out to one of the members of the gang who is a half Cheyenne uh, Indian. No, he's full Cheyenne. Was he full? He's half. He's half. And uh, he's hanging out with them. I've been reading a lot of American history lately. The Cheyenne were brutal, massacred villages of people. Um, I kind of agree with them, though. I mean, they're fighting for the land, whatever. Uh, what are you, the Sundance Film Festival right now? No, no, I'm just I'm neutral. I, there's a lot of nuance. I sympathize with both. Anyway, they introduce him by saying he's half Cheyenne. He hates white men. He loves white women. <laughs> <Word>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that's a fucking terrifying way to introduce somebody. Um, also, this film is supposed to take place in Wyoming, so we get a lot of great Wyoming quotes. And if uh, you're a longtime listener of the show, you know my favorite vlogger is from Wyoming. Here we go. Made me laugh every goddamn time. There's a there's a quote where uh, the cowboy's talking to the hottest girl in town. And she's like, I'm just looking for a little bit of sympathies from you. And he goes, there ain't a whole lot of sympathy in Wyoming. And I'm like, oh, my God, if I was still making everybody here Cobra, I would have played that. But it's set in Wyoming, shot in Oregon. Oh, it looks beautiful wherever they shot it. Uh, Surrounded by mountains, it's all snow. And it made me fucking think of antlers. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, this would be a great double feature because it would only emphasize like the kind of small community with an external force coming in and fucking everything up. Where like, you know, in this movie it's a gang and the And no windigo. And no windigo. Yeah. Well in the other one's not even really a windigo. I'd say it's almost like a drug narrative. Where it's like this But there's a windigo. But there is a windigo, yeah. Well in this one, I'll, it's so good how they use the tension of the duel within town. That gets put on hold from an external force. I mean, honestly, I think America could use a little bit of that. So I'm calling out to all other countries. Please threaten us. Uh, Russia, I, Oksana, I feel like your homeland has really dropped the ball. <laughs> we need some more, some more forceful nuke threats.
3: I'm not from Russia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kazakhstan, what, where are you from?
3: Ukraine.
1: Oh, yeah. oh that's She's awkward. Team Zelensky, dude. You know what? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. No, I, I highly recommend this movie, and I think uh, watch Antlers again after it if you venture out here. I, it would really play well, and I think they both benefit from it. Anyway, I've taken like a half hour of time with this. So What
3: is up with the movie's poster? Like, none it's of this terrible. happens.
1: No, none of it does. Read the fucking synopsis. It's terrible. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. So don't look up anything. Just go. Um, when you throw it into uh, YouTube, the first one that pops up, beautiful. Looks great you have anything how many cups of coffee you give it oh man i had one and a half uh i would give it uh probably like eight out of five cups of coffee eight and a five wait does cups of coffee mean like you need energy to watch it no stars okay because cups cups of coffee one will you'll benefit trying to stick with your western north thing i get it um how many smoking guns do i give it yeah (laughs) how many many? both of our producers cringe I (laughs) i honestly i think it's like four and a half or a five i loved it again that third act in the book i read the act the ending was different than the movie i watched so i'm a little confused in the book it was a very bleak noir ending in this one there's like two minutes that they don't talk about in the book that totally undermines the whole thing so i think Unless, unless there's like a weird director's cut for YouTube only, Mm. this is a four and a half. They really missed the mark there at the end. I All right. Uh, what do I? I don't have an outro. Let's just play the uh, intro again. That's what you do. All right. (laughs) It's been a while since you've
0: done. I know. (laughs) When you boil it all down, what does a man really need? (laughs) Just a smoke and a cup of coffee.
4: (laughs) Ombre (laughs) dans le désert.
0: Randy, that that uh, stinger reminds me of film spotting. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Why? Oh, I want to let you sit in that, and then I want you to ponder about you,
1: know, <laughs> you being akin to no. film spotting. Why? What is that? Exactly. Film is good. I still listen to it. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Josh Larson, Adam Kempinar, two highbrow film critics in Chicago.
0: Oh, one of them's got a hat on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Randy Michael, it's your turn to talk about what you've seen this week. But before we get into that, I know that you got a little West Coast trip planned, and I know as a part of that, you purchased, uh, maybe not your first, but your first in a very long time. Uh, you purchased a gentleman's suit.
2: A condo. I did buy a suit over the weekend, yes. Is it, is it currently being tailored? It is. I think I could pick it up on Tuesday, but probably won't make it back out till the weekend. It's being tailored swiftly.
1: Nice. I don't hate it.
0: (laughs) I like it. I felt very
2: uncomfortable buying a suit, though. I don't really know what to do. you just got a black suit? All white, actually. Yeah, I went into a place that had uh, some very lively um, suits, very colorful A lot of patterns. And so I went straight to the ones that looked like the most plain and I picked out the first one that fit. (laughs) And then I said, how does this work? I walked up to the guy and he's like, oh, you got to try the pants on so that we could tailor the pants for you. Because they're probably too long. (laughs) I said, okay. He said, do you need shoes? And I said, I do, but I don't think I see anything here that I want. So I'm going to shop around. Shop around. And I still haven't bought any um, dress shoes yet
0: wear your new balances with them.
2: I mean, I might, that's I don't really know like what the, uh, what the vibe of the wedding is going to be. I don't know like how, <laughs> how fancy people are going to be dressed. It's in LA in the summer. So I assume it's going to be hot. And you bought a black suit. I mean, any suit's going to be hot. Might as well go with something that I feel like I look okay in. Randy.
0: Will and also, you know, it's it, that, that's the economical choice. Cause a black suit, you can wear that anywhere, you know, wedding
1: funeral. mainly those two things. You could get it dirty. <laughs> that's, that's how I think about suits. Anyway, what? so did you go to a zoot suit factory? Why was everything colorful and wacky? <laughs> uh,
2: I just went to the mall, the Cumberland Mall in Atlanta, and uh, I first went to Macy's to buy some shirts or a shirt and a tie. And I uh, didn't see any uh, suits that would fit me there. So I just continued to walk around the mall. I was like, there's got to be another place that has suits. <laughs> and I found a place called Blue Couture that uh, had suits. And if that name, I don't know, is evoking of anything, it's, uh, it's not something... I'm more of an H&M, an H&M guy, you know? So yeah, it's usually was, the kind of thing I'm looking for.
0: So why did you go to Steve Harvey's suit shop? Whoa, wait, what? Is that really like... No, but based upon what he's saying... It's like he's saying things without saying it. That's what
2: I'm like. He's tiptoeing around. He shot. As, as I texted uh, Clark <laughs> yeah, this weekend, I was the only honky in the uh, blue couture shop.
1: <laughs> Dude, if he showed up in a Steve Harvey suit, that's fucking good. You should have just rolled with it, man. Dude, Randy walks in there looking like an NBA power forward. <laughs>
0: God. With I'm, some
1: nine button checkered pattern. Or you should have done what I've done, Randy. Show up in your which birthday is? suit.
2: God. Uh, I think I would be more uncomfortable in that than I am in a suit. Oh, dude, you and me both, brother. <laughs> All right, Randy, what you got? So I saw several movies in the theater this week. Show off. Good, because you're going to carry the load. <laughs> Two of which I'm going to talk about now, and then we're going to talk about the third one after. Uh, first one I'm going to talk Thanks. about is the new Gaspar Noe film, uh Vortex. Oh shit. Uh, Which is playing at the Plaza Theater here, along with his other newish film, Lux Eterna, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. Randy, hold
1: on. I got to stop you there. Whenever you fucking jump into a segment, you have to let me know. So when you're talking about the uh, Randy round of a plaza.
2: I I didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) It wasn't. It's just an opportunity for me to make Clark (laughs) mad.
1: Your timing is just the worst. Hey, I've only been to two comedy shows ever.
2: I'm taking notes. okay? <laughs> so, Vortex <laughs> stars director Dario Argento. Never heard of him. And uh, Francois LeBron. And their son is played by Alex Lutz. And the movie is essentially uh, about uh, so Dario and Francis or Francois are a very old couple, and um, one of them is stricken by dementia, and you are essentially just uh, watching them live out their last days in their very uh, beautiful, cute apartment that is cluttered with a bunch of film memorabilia and books and everything. It's a really cool location. Um, So essentially, there is one shot in the beginning um, of them kind of just hanging out, drinking wine on their, like, porch. And then you see, well, you see credits before that, then you see that um, shot, and then you see a shot that is wider. So that initial shot is like a four by three, like very square ratio. And then the next shot is the two of them in bed, and it's like a, basically a full screen uh, format. And then you see a black line come from the top of the screen, go all the way down, and then it splits the screen. So you're watching the rest of the movie in split screen. Tough. Um, what are we doing. I love it. It's cool. Then yeah. Uh, so essentially, the rest of the movie uh, is in split screen. I think it works really well. In a, uh, I mean, it looks cool, and I think it works uh, thematically as well. Um, the movie's okay, kind of brutal. You know, watching a, a old people essentially uh, pass away. One is stricken by dementia, and she kind of forgets things, and she potentially does things that you're not sure if she forgot. Or, if she did it intentionally, um the sun is really good too. um who I mentioned is played by Alex Lutz. um yeah, it's like a little over two hours, I think it's like two hours and twelve. um beautiful cinematography, but I don't know it's a although it is like brutal and kind of obviously sad, it's not I don't know, probably because I'm also just dead inside, but um it never really like never really f- felt it like emotionally connect too much uh, but this is definitely the most subdued thing that he's ever done um, besides it all being in split screen which seems to be something he uh, is interested in and has done in Lux Aterna. Um there's no there's no strobing there's no like crazy camera movements there's one at the very end where the camera like kind of tilts upside down but um it's very subdued it's uh, very interesting to see if this is something he's going to be like experimenting with in future films, or maybe this was just a movie that, uh, you felt like making, I know that he, um, made this after having a brain hemorrhage in early 2020. So I think, you know, it's probably something that he was, uh, thinking about and it definitely feels like it was probably a COVID movie, you know, kind of probably had a DP him. And then like the two actors, maybe a sound person. Um, yeah, it's good. I don't, it's probably one of my least favorite of his movies, but um, I don't know. It's still interesting, and if you feel like you could handle the subject matter, I would, uh, I would
0: check it out. Well, most Gaspar Noe movies do have, contain a DP.
1: Nice. <laughs> Double penetration. What about, what about my joke? The idea he had needed to get out so badly that he had a brain hemorrhage. You gotta work on the punchline. <laughs> I want to sit in that silence. <laughs> Well there's there's camera now. You gotta play the camera, baby. Turn your hat sideways. <laughs> <laughs> so this is no uh this is no climax? No. <laughs> climax I definitely <laughs> like a lot more. I don't know. I love a Brian De Palma split screen what can I just say <laughs> What truthfully? Uh-huh. I don't I don't understand the De Palma love. Well, as a um human who is not conflicted afflicted with uh, ADD I like a busy screen it keeps me occupied I'm going back and forth like, I don't I don't know I thought you would appreciate it I like some diploma but I, I don't I don't get it Well I mean uh, Randy if you were digging the split I again I recommend go watch uncut rage that movie was tiny Yeah that movie
2: that you can't find anymore apparently Oh it's it's not even available like VOD Oh, I don't know. I thought it was on someone's Amazon account where it's it, not it was, available anymore.
1: Yeah, uh, shout out to our number one fan who <laughs> let me into his Amazon Prime account. Big mistake, bro. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I'll find it for you.
2: Cool. What else? Check it out. I also saw Pleasure, which I will not uh, yeah. won't say too much about because I don't <laughs> want to spoil it because uh, I know that at least Clark wants to see it and I think Russell and Oksana would enjoy it as well directed by Ninja Thyberg, uh featuring Sophia Capel in the lead role as Bella Cherry. And then, uh, essentially, the rest of the cast is played by actual um, adult film actors and actresses. Um, I will say, Chris Cock is very good in this movie. Chris, Chris Cock. I don't know him from any of his uh, other work, but uh, he's great. But, uh, essentially... Bella Cherry, she arrives in Los Angeles from uh, Sweden, and she wants to become an adult film star. Um, And she moves in with I think like three other girls that are kind of in the industry and sort of like a more uh, I don't know, they're not like as big as she like wants to get. So she's essentially like I want to be like the biggest porn star, you know, that that there is right now. So she uh, she goes out there and um, does things that will get her to uh, more fame and stardom. And some of them are kind of dark. Um, yeah. It, uh, th- like I said, it's played by... Most of the other characters in the movie are played by actual porn actors, and it feels very uh, authentic to this, um, the world that she's uh, exploring in this movie. Um, it's kind of graphic at times. There's no like actual... Uh, insertion or penetration or anything that I remember. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, it feels legit and uh, most of the actors are are really good. Um, it definitely has an indie feel that you kind of have seen before, but I don't know. I found just like the exploration of this world super intriguing and um, she's great as the uh, Bella Cherry, uh, whoever plays her uh, name, I'm forgetting. Um, she's, fantastic. she's fantastic. I uh, yeah. don't... don't don't think she's been in anything else um, movie-wise, but yeah, this is really good. It's a, it's a solid four for me. Now, this came out last year, right? It was two- so it, it played Can, I think, and apparently it got picked up by A24. A24 wanted to release a rated R cut and then an unrated cut, um, but the director like wasn't happy with that, so Neon picked it up. Um, and there's just one cut, just the cut that played can um so i think it's been kind of in a little uh limbo since it played can so it's nc-17 now i think it's just unrated okay rad dude bill bailey's in this he's uh, been
0: dead for three years i
2: don't know who that is
0: (laughs) male porn star he died in mexico he fell off uh there was like a staircase and
1: he fell down the staircase uh like oh really yeah like uh, like down the chute. That's the show you guys have been watching, right? The Different, Staircase. Yeah. Staircase. Oh, I didn't know it was a Which is truly, <laughs> truly a masterwork. No, it's a good and, show. So I remember um, one of the guys that I talked to on Instagram posted this, and I was trying to look for some deep cut shit to do in our Lookie Awards last year. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I tracked this thing down and I, f- fuck, I never watched it. Uh, you sold me on it though, Randy. I'm into it.
2: Yeah, I, it definitely has kind of like a... Sean Baker esque, like exploration of, uh, you know, something we don't see very often in, in film and TV. Love it. Um, but yeah, it, it's really good. I mean, God, the
1: premise of I want to be the best porn star. So I'm going to do yeah. things that other people won't do.
2: And you're also is, like rooting for her too, you know, because I mean, you kind of are. She's the main character. So yeah. you kind of like want her to get what she wants, you know? Dick. It's interesting. But,
1: I mean, well, maybe not. I mean, pussy. <laughs> no, it's just think of that. Like I'm willing to do things that other people aren't doing. It's like, oh God, it was a found footage movie. Okay, like, some people were doing a lot. I uh, that's what I mean. There's a lot of stuff
0: going on out there. Be careful, yeah. kids.
1: Yeah, Clark just flew back from Tijuana and told me a bunch of stories.
0: <laughs> that's fake.
1: <laughs> what fake news, dude? No that's way.
2: Fake. No, fuck you. That's I will good. say uh, lastly that it's not like super critical of the porn industry either there are some scenes uh, early on where these sets seem very professional um, and that was really interesting too
1: again i don't want a fucking cobs dude i want to go down the purple onion also a great name for a place to shoot porn i don't know how how do you how, how? Well, hold on both the producers again cringed and looked at me that's my new favorite thing to do no, I am interested because
0: you know you said you didn't want a cobs, and I immediately thought of how cold it was in cobs, <laughs> and if that is conducive to a porn set. I, I don't think you want it to be cold. I know the nips would be erect. Yeah, but you don't want to stifle it stifled. Actually, that
1: brings me to a good question. Now, uh we don't want the audience to hear this, but Randy, when he was texting us, remember he was like, "Hope I don't get hard," and we're like, <laughs> "It's been a couple years, dude. It could
2: be a good thing." This is true. Uh, did it happen? It did not. No,
1: <laughs> no tears, no blood flow. Randy, are you alive? Do you have a
2: pulse dude? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I do have a low resting heart rate though. Oh my God. <laughs> and also the only, uh, other two gentlemen that were in the screening with me, uh, sat towards the back and they were very old and had their dicks out (laughs) at least one of them was old i didn't clock the other one until my way out i thought there was only one other guy but (laughs) yeah you didn't cock him
0: (laughs) all right oh god uh anything else other than the uh one we all saw no sir all right well let's go ahead and do it because it's mine and then russ what else do you have? Another. That's, that's it? it. All right, so well, yeah, That's right, no, yeah. so last movie great. <laughs> all right, so Doctor Strange again. Yeah. Um so now Randy Alex Garland, you know, that that's a name that
2: uh, <laughs> we're that all one. familiar with
0: and you are you are a big fan. You you yes, sir. you love you some Alex Garland.
2: I do. Yeah, big fan of Ex Machina, um, Annihilation. I really enjoyed and then I read the book that it was based on and then I got really into jeff vandermeer's other books uh i don't know if any of y'all have seen devs but devs is fantastic too i couldn't um, get into I need to it watch that yeah, again yeah i should i i can do it i I've, it's very heady sci-fi so i don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> your thing can i tell you what yeah first of all correct <laughs> second yeah. of all i think
0: i i suffer from um nick offerman fatigue okay i get that yeah so I yeah I don't know I think I was just in a mood with Nick Offerman at that time. I was like, can we get enough of this guy? Like, I, I get it. All right, enough. Um, but also now, Randy, have you ventured into Alice Garland has penned a few novels. Have you read any of his
1: novels? Uh,
2: I have not. No, he wrote the beach, right? He wrote the beach. Yeah. He also wrote Son um, of the Beach,
1: the sequel. Yes, he wrote <laughs> Son of the Beach.
2: Yeah, I've heard his books are good, and I mean, he wrote uh, 28 Days Later as well. Yep. So, mm-hmm. he's done a lot of uh, great stuff that I think most of us are, are fans of, for sure.
0: And also, you know, he's it looks like he, he's had a little bit of a work relationship with the great Danny Boyle. As, yeah, uh, Sunshine. the Sunshine. And then Sunshine, he wrote Sunshine and 28 Days Later, as you uh, stated. Uh, also wrote the screenplay for Never Let Me Go, which was uh, an adaptation. Uh, from a Japanese novel, which I've had for many, many years and will probably not read. Uh, now, directorial, Lee, Ex Machina, 2014, then Annihilation, and now... Annihilation, no men. breathing. And <laughs> Annihilation, what, what was Annihilation? Two years ago, Randy? Three years ago? Probably like three or four, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's been a while. Um, and... 2018. Uh, 20, God, four years ago? Yeah. When was Ex Machina? 2014. 25, yeah. eight years ago? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm old. I remember seeing that vivid, God damn, I know, eight years. Fuck you, COVID. This has ruined my brain. <laughs> um, so yeah, the long awaited return. Uh, of Alex Garland to the cinema, Men. Now, you know, when Men first came out, we had that little bit of a teaser trailer, and then we had a more involved trailer, uh, and, you know, it it was steeped in mystery, very cryptic. We don't know what was going on. Now, naturally, my first thing is like, all right, what kind of fucking gender conversation are we going to have here? (laughs) What kind of, and then then, in the words of Russell Fisher, uh, what kind of woke shit is this? (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, naturally, you know, I get it. And also, you know, it, it teased the Garden of Eden and we've got the apple and the so on and so
1: forth. Um you Yada 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 it over the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the story of creation, dude? Most of.
0: So, um now Randy, I yeah, I've seen your letterbox writing, so I, I, I kinda have an idea of where you sit on this. Um yes, sir. And also critically, I feel like it's it's kind of in the it's, it's currently at 75 tomatoes. Um which is I I thought it was going to be a little low, but I I kind of like that because I don't I don't think people understand this film. And I want to be very clear. I am one of those people to a certain extent. But boy did I have fun with this. And I'm not and I'm not trying to read too much in it. Which I think is um a sign, uh, which is you know, partnered with my enjoyment of the film because I'm not trying to deconstruct any sort of you know um, you know conversation that he wants to have, you know, related to gender studies or anything like that. I, I don't know, I'm not trying to get heady with this shit. What I enjoyed. Was a showcase of exceptional acting, um, at behest of you know uh, what's her name who always brings it, Jesse um, Buckley. Jesse Buckley just has a a, a constant. Um, she's just going to bring it, man. Uh, she she just every everything she shows up in, she's a force. And then you bring in Rory Kinnear. Now Rory Kinnear is a guy. That, you know, I've, I I know his face. Anytime I see Rory I it's like, oh, it's that moon-faced British actor who I kind <laughs> of enjoy. Who mostly plays dicks. Um, and he is in all the James Bond movies as a fucking nerd. I'm telling you right now, what he did in this thing is nothing short of extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. I was just enamored with him. And, uh, and how... Um, it was just so much fun and what he brought to each end. I, I have no idea how many roles he played. Um, I would say close to 10, uh, different characters that he occupied. Um, and he brings a little bit, it, it's, they're all different. It's all him. Uh, you know, And some of those, you know, they deep fake him as a child. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. no, that was the kid from the mad TV covers. <laughs> yeah. Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, wait, he has a name. Stuart, yes. Yeah, that was the name of the thing, Stuart. No. <laughs> no, uh, wait, he's playing that kid? What are you yeah. talking about? The, you know, Mad TV, the magazine. Yes. Yeah, he was, I didn't realize that Stuart character was that kid. It's not. Oh, okay. I thought You, were, uh, you blew my mind Fuck there for a minute. Fuck me, dude. I don't, sometimes, <laughs> I just don't understand. It's, it's not for you to understand. It's like an art house film. Um,
0: so, so I will say, and then in the third act, you know, with then then we go to we go to horror country. Okay, like, oh yeah, you know, and and naturally, I think you know, I was expecting that with Alex Garland. You know, he's he's gonna he's gonna throw in some weird body horror stuff, uh, which I think he always does. And I, I, I don't. Th- that's always sort of an underlying theme with him, right, Randy? Like, there's always going to be
2: some weird body stuff involved. Seems like it, yeah. It also seems like he's very interested in, like, the force of nature. Like, all of his movies take place, like, in very lush areas, like, just look beautiful. Like, the green in this movie is so just, like, vibrant and, like, beautiful looking. The English Um,
0: countryside. Yeah. I believe in the north of England.
1: Um, All right, so, Russ, uh, we'll get in here. Um, I kind of, uh, want to go into like theory on this film. So I think if you haven't watched it or you're interested in doing it, it's an hour and 40 minutes long. It's in theaters right now. Go watch it. Oh, I, I want to, um, give Clark the opportunity to get in spoiler territory here. Cause I want to play around in there.
0: Yeah, we, we will do that. But before we do that, I, I, I do want to mention this, um, which I am, um, I gotta be completely honest. I yeah. have been a little excited to, to go into this. Clark. A little um, excited. I, I have, uh, not really said this publicly oh, to you, no. uh, but I just want to use this opportunity, use this time and use this platform um, to embarrass you uh, the best I can, um, <laughs> j- mainly to to cut at your cockiness, <laughs> um which I just it gives me so much pleasure when I'm find in these situations where I am rewarded. By me playing by the rules. Where, uh, Randy, what happened is that we saw this film um, at the uh, Daily City uh, 20 mega. mega Oh, I know. Okay. I get it. And you know the constant battle that we (laughs) have in this household with the concept, the ancient and... Perfect concept of time in this yes. household. It is always going to be a battle, and I understand that. It's on I, my side. I have my views, and these two dummies have their views. So now what they want to do is they, they, you know, they 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 try to cheat the system here is because, you know, with the previews at these big theaters, they can run 30 minutes, sometimes more than 30 minutes. I play the game. <laughs> if I go to a theater, I'm going to be a part of the whole experience. And that includes yep. the 30 minutes of nonsense. That's just how I was raised. <laughs> <laughs> so these two were going to cheat the system and they rolled in show. started at seven. They roll in around seven 30. Mm-hmm. The film had been playing for 10 minutes. They missed the first 10 minutes of this movie. And when nice. I noticed that the movie was starting and I knew they weren't going to be here for no, I called it too. It's like, they're not showing up for another 10 minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. and you didn't, I got a boner. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, uh, that, that was more titillating to me than Randy watch a fuck yeah, movie for apparently. an hour and a half. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, will open the floor for your defense, All which right. you have none,
1: All right. but legally I have to. Um, so thank you. I'll take my rebuttal now. I want to first uh, start this debate by pointing out you cannot embarrass me. Look at my hat. It's crooked. <laughs> <laughs> Second, you left out a uh, key part of the story here that while we were out at Daily City, we had been invited by a friend, friend of the show, Sean, we love you. And um, he uh, pointed out that there's been a brewery hidden across the way, not even across the street, but across Gilman? the Yeah. A Gilman Brewery. Yeah. Across the fountain. And uh, we went there, hung out. Uh, they got a whole new method of how you order. You scan a barcode on the table and a dude brings you out a drink. May I say the the beer much to be desired from my perspective.
0: Um, and then the wings, those were not Korean chicken wings in no universe were those Korean chicken wings. Who are you kidding yourself? And then also <laughs> the, the amount of barbecue sauce on those wings was embarrassing, um, but they were cooked pretty well. Um, but the, Everything was done on your phone. You scan the thing. You order. Everyone had their own individual tab. Beautiful. It was done. I paid for the thing. It was so I'll go back just because of the convenience that they have built over there.
1: Randy, I would like fan of that. Randy, I would like two minutes added to my time because of that intrusion. Uh, (laughs) I also would like to mention that the the defense rest. I I, I like the beer. Uh, prosecution i, mean. I was good. there you know unlike clark who was there to be uh the yelp critic that he is uh, highly acclaimed for. Forgive me for having <laughs> a palate. <laughs> i was there for the company and for the atmosphere and uh that's fair you i'm know, never what, for that here's the thing um uh our fellow homie he was a judge at UF who invited us out uh <laughs> he was reading the wind and uh when he saw clark and our good friend uh, david robson film critic out here in san francisco leaving he said hey, i'm gonna go with them and I went. Can't fault you for that. I know what I'm doing. I live on the fucking wild side, all right. I drive on the shoulder of the freeway. I don't even have a lane. I need. You know what? I know there's nails over there. There's parked cars. There's destroyed cars and vagrants. I run them over. I don't care. And here, you know, me and Oksana, we were hanging out, having a great time, and we we rolled in at uh, ten minutes late. And I was like, honestly, this movie uh, couldn't have failed because I had. I was already. Three beers deep. I'd order another beer at the venue. I had taken an edible, and I was like, the problem here is that we're getting into an art house film. And I, I tell Clark this all the time. I feel like I'm strapped into a roller coaster when I take even a light edible. And uh, I'm just at the movie's mercy. I'm not being critical. I'm just there feeling it. Yeah. And uh, 10 minutes late, I was like, okay, I can't tell. And honestly, I'd completely forgotten. But in my defense, I have also shown up early for a movie got there early before the playtime and missed 10 minutes of the fucking movie so <laughs> the 14 times that i've missed 40 minutes of trailers i feel like okay well that's a tan for problem that i think is. that's a specific
0: <laughs> theater
1: <laughs> issue because you never know what you're going to get over there but you know i felt punished i said you know what we're gonna do it the right way everybody's there we're gonna get there early still miss 10 minutes of the movie <laughs> <laughs> in our defense an important 10 minutes, by the way. Yeah. Okay. But if uh, I'm going to weigh into the actual film, I would like to say uh, this feels a little bit of a rebel yell from our uh, Garland friend here. It feels very offbeat, even for his films. Like, I feel like he actually, like, Ex Machina is a weird one because he made a, an art house movie that ha- captured like every fucking techie and like yeah. Joe Rogan MMA bro somehow. Like Randy read books because of that movie. I thought it was great. I, I never revisited it. I bought it. Like I own it and I liked it, but um, I never watched Annihilation. I feel like that one would be more up my alley. And coming into this one, I was kind of like, I had no expectation. Same. Nothing. Same. And uh, the men comment, I was like, okay, what are we doing here? Some like exploration of the modern time. This is some boring virtue signaling shit. It is uh, 100% not that at all. Yep. I, um, again, uh, I would like to venture into spoiler territory here. So, uh, last warning, I, I totally think this movie is more of a, um, I, I use this too much, but it's a Polanski kind of apartment trilogy horror where it's a female at home who, uh, probably had some sort of trauma before the movie started. And we're just kind of watching her let anxiety and paranoia get the best of her. And she's spiraling out of control. And even though people want to help, they're only hurting. And it's like all these men in her life just remind her of some terrible thing that had happened that yeah. w- that I don't know yeah. what it is. But there's a moment where uh, when you're on a gummy, it's just one of those moments where you're like, nobody is enjoying this movie like I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> and she's in a tunnel. And uh, oh, yeah. she's uh, playing with the echo. And I'm sitting there. I was sitting there like, this could be an hour more and I will give this movie five stars. I was having so much fun. And then, you know, the next day um, I'm reflecting on it and I actually think what we were doing there, like, okay, we're in spoiler territory. She's playing with the echo and she moves deeper down the tunnel. And uh, this is after an evening of taking a walk. It's very beautiful countryside. She's out there alone. She seems very serene. And up until yeah. despite, there hasn't really been anything going on and she's playing with the echo. And uh she hears something back and a figure stands up at the end. It's clearly by the by the shape of man. And uh in, Don't gender the figure, Dick. Oh, good, good point. <laughs> and uh it could have been a uh what talking heads cosplayer that was female in a broad shouldered suit standing up. David left. Burn and Drag. Yeah, there we go. Um but you know, because I'm from San Francisco, instantly read like a uh like a junkie who'd crashed after doing some fentanyl in the tunnel. He gets up. Where now, a junkie? I wouldn't want that dude coming at me. No. And what do they do? They turn and start walking down the tunnel, and then sprinting, and then sprinting, and uh, they've set up. Well, the th- first thing we hear is that we hear like a blood curdling scream. See, I didn't Echo. read it that way. I heard like ah, or like something weird. Like yeah. who's that? And then a dude stands up, and you're like, is that like a dude or a monster? Or like, and it was ominous, is what it was. No, for sure. And we were doing a vanishing point kind of Kubrick thing here, where Kubrick loved to look straight down a hallway. And I've heard people break it down where, as an audience member looking into a 2D world, it's hard to get uh, a sense for how far away something is. And a lot of Westerns honestly have that problem. And in this, uh, I felt like they had evolved that like po- vanishing point where um, instead of like doors in a uh, hotel that we get to like mark, we had an audio cue. So you were very clear how far away this noise was. And uh, she runs away from it. And I think the whole movie is in reaction to that moment where she was out in the woods, kind of pondering whatever and letting free thought flow. And she stumbled into something and um, she was exploring it and it dug up something that happened to her in the past and she didn't deal with it. And she turned around and ran and it followed her home. And the rest of that movie is just her spiraling. And kind of, the thing is, having never even confronted the thought, like, who knows? That could have been a dude who's like, hey, are you okay? Or something like yeah. are you having a mental break. But instead, she just like projects it on every dude. And uh, I mean, she's clearly had a psychotic break by the end of that. Psychotic or psychic? Psychotic. Psych- okay. Psychic is Miss Cleo. God damn it. You're right. <laughs> I heard a joke about that recently where like a psychic break is a uh, smoke yeah. break that. Yeah. Miss Cleo. Good job.
0: Um. Yeah, no, I, I'm with, and that's what i was saying, you know, in my very mumbled, um, frantic, you know, uh, preface to this conversation we're currently having, um, I think
1: that. Therefore, I am. Confirmed. Thank you. <laughs> Who said that? Um, David Burns. Close. Descartes. That was, was my no, next No, Plato. Oh, wait. Damn it. Who was it? Oh, God. No idea. It, I think it's Plato.
0: If only we had people. We've no, we've lost all of the listeners. (laughs) Is it Plato? No, it's not Descartes. (laughs) Aristotle
3: Cogito. Oh, the fuck
0: are we doing? No, it's not. What is that? Who is Cogito? (laughs) Was that a fucking Ninja Turtle? He's got a taco truck down the street. (laughs) Cogito. Yo, Cogito.
1: (laughs) What you thinking about? It's a
0: fucking pizza maker in
1: Brooklyn. He's like, I don't know, but Um, therefore I am.
0: Here's the thing, man, like, man, I don't know if everything makes sense in this. Okay. Right. Well, Especially at yeah. the end where we're talking about, like, again, we're in spoiler territory, fuckers. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, already preface that. It. So, you know, it, you were like, okay, so she killed some people at the end of that?
1: I think so. You know,
0: because the, the the friend came in, um, you know, after the, the four hour drive and we see some blood going into the front and we have, you know, obviously, you know, we have the the giant body horror scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're gonna you're
1: gonna yada yada the butt, baby.
0: I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna give that away, actually.
1: What the fuck?
0: I don't wanna give that away.
1: We're in spoiler territory.
0: Do you know the amount of joy
2: I mean it's hard to even explain it to it be It really honest. is.
1: It truly is. I don't think it is. It truly is. I don't think so. Um again, now I I won't get too into it, but I think that was a visual metaphor of her having the um fear that her friend was going to give birth to a man, and uh, the cycle would begin
0: okay well i my favorite part of that sequence was um the butt baby when the butt baby's fine, <laughs> I liked the foot coming out of the mouth okay, yeah, <laughs> that was I took really- that commentary <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just um. And Russell, I'll just mirror what you were saying, you know I, I um now again, before the film, I asked you if you had any gummies because I was out, yeah, yeah, and I feel unprepared going to a theater if I don't you know have a couple milligrams in the tank. Do you want to talk about where I found some gummies? You found some gummies in your car. Now they were not (laughs) melted, but Randy, I cannot explain to you the texture of
1: these of these gummies. No, no, they were they were (laughs) melted. Normally, they look like little cubes, like uh, the fucking. um, They stuck to my teeth. No, they melted into like dippin' dots. They were un. Oh, and they like reformed. The texture was horrific. It was horrific and it hit me pretty hard. I only took one. Clark took the rest of them. He just dumped them in his mouth. What are you going to do? Hell, Hell yeah. <laughs> he barely felt like anything like a I, I Randy and, had a porn I, movie.
0: I, I Andrew W. K. did, dude. Is that what he does? Party hard.
2: Oh, okay. Thank you. Um,
0: I think I wish I was
2: high for this movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Randy, did you not? I just had I just had fun with it. There were no, I wasn't trying to break down anything. I'm like, I'm sitting here. As the audience, yeah, yeah, the film yeah. is presenting to me, and I just wanted to be entertained more than anything. Entertained, truly, sure. that is what I'm looking for when I go to a movie. I want to be entertained. Now, as a part of that, there's many things under that umbrella. All right, you can depress the shit out of me, yeah. and that's, <laughs> I'm still going to put that as entertained. Do something to hold my attention.
1: It'll make me that feel is, something.
0: and uh, and let me be also very clear. As we all know. And 341 episodes of this show is testament that my attention is at a premium. <laughs> oh, that is true. So <laughs> when a film can do that, yep. kudos. Good to you. Men did that. I had a blast with it. And without question,
2: my favorite Alex Garland film. Randy. Oh, shit. Interesting. yours. It's my least favorite Alex <laughs> Garland film, but I did really like it. Like, I I really enjoyed watching it. I thought the, like, middle of the movie was really creepy and suspenseful, kind of like a home invasion movie. Uh, Buckley's great. The set is awesome. The red walls are just, like, just, I don't know, looks great. Red,
0: red walls. I'd watch this today.
2: If you said... I thought about about seeing it again last night after I saw Vortex. So, I really, I think I want to like it potentially more than uh, I did, but I think... I am getting too heady going into it because I have other Alex Garland expectations going into it. For sure. And I also have the problem that you do with the ending. Like I'm okay with this being like a metaphorical, like primal scream of her just like going through this like experience of the trauma that she had and trying to like get over it or like maybe, I don't know, being re-traumatized by like certain like things that she's seeing or whatever. Um, but yeah, they, they make it seem like something actually really happened Yeah, at the end. And I'm like, eh, but what actually happened? Cause if you want to take it literally, then like, why is Rory Kinnear the same person, 10 different people? Um, I don't know. And I think, uh, I think it didn't, for me, the ending didn't really do much to like, I don't know, put a cap on like what we saw really. Um, I don't know. I kind of just wanted a little more from the ending of the movie. And it didn't really feel like, like all the uh, interactions that she she has feel kind of the same, which I think is also the point that like men are all the same. And like, it's been that way since Adam and Eve. I don't
1: don't think that's the point though. I think it's that she is projecting on all men
2: or that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think that movie's making what I was worried about, which was a, broad statement of men are all the same this is burn it down or something. Yeah. Um, but I will say endings are hard dude and I uh this time not a joke was thinking about Doctor Strange. And cuz I had gotten in uh, Terrell he was saying that that was the worst um second uh end credit scene. He was like you could miss it cuz it's just Bruce Campbell doing a bit. And I'm like dude no that's respect. what I, that's what I wanted. <laughs> but here's the thing. I started thinking about him like Dude, I feel like they're uh, like Marvel as a company is doing a like, look over there at the end of their movies, because I think all of their movies have bad endings because they never end. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, I just this was like a weird revelation I had uh, where Mar- I'm like Marvel's ruining, well, ruining film. Well, here's the thing. They're they're juking the ending by by baiting you with two more endings, but none of them are like satisfactory because yeah. the other two are almost like TikTok videos where it's like, hey, let's get some shawarma. Right? And it's like, fucking rooster. It's like, Benders. oh, it's just a joke, but that's not an ending. There's no ending. So I don't know. I appreciate an ending, I guess. But that one clearly, yeah. I just thought, I, I didn't really think too much about it. Like, had she actually killed somebody? I mean, it could have been anybody because all those people were like vanishing at the end of the movie anyway. Yeah. Which I thought was her just kind of like coming in and out of it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, again, I felt like. I was too high. Now I
0: will tell you, I, I did have a deep sense of melancholy leaving the theater because I knew that that was, is that is going to be the only time we'll see Rory Kinnear play that landlord character. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much enjoyment I great. got. I got, <laughs> at it. Was yeah. Good. Yeah. I want a series of him doing that guy.
1: Well, th- he's the poster. It's, it's yeah. so good. He's so good. Um, also you know when you think of that it's not like a robert england performance where it's a dude doing a good like i'm a horror character he's like genuinely like indescribable like he's creepy but he's never playing creepy yeah he's always being kind of like kind of helpful and like charming but it just reads as creepy and i don't know how you direct somebody to do that he'll just say like
2: one thing that is slightly off which could come off as charming but also could come off as like, eh, it's a little too far, but oh, yeah. like, it doesn't seem like it's bad intent by any means. Yeah. But he's got beta energy,
1: but the thing, <laughs> yeah. the thing is it's, you know, it's a touch or it's like the way he interacts with her where it's like, if you're in her headspace, he's a villain. But I mean, in the audience, I'm not really in her headspace. So I'm looking at him like, uh, oh, he's kind of nice. Like, I don't know. He seems helpful. Yeah. Uh, he's fantastic. That smile. So good, mm-hmm. dude! The smile was so fucking. I, I
0: I had a blast with this like,
1: I thing. I think it I'm probably going to see it again. Oh, look at that! Oh, it's going to surpass Annihilation. I think I would watch this um over X Machina again. I'd, I would now. Just clear to be clear, I thought X Machina was fantastic. Agreed. Um, again, all the things I like about X Machina, like there's an aesthetic to Garland that I really like that makes me want to watch Annihilation. Honestly, I got um, sci-fi scared. When I think of sci-fi movie, I think of a lot of C.G. and I'm like, I'm not interested in that in his kind of... know, when
0: I think of sci-fi, I think of fucking homework.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't need to do a fucking Fibonacci <sighs> sequence watching a goddamn movie. I, I do like um, ideas, though, and if you do a good sci-fi yeah. movie, you can I'm with you. Yeah. Should I watch it? It, it? I feel like the conversation is over. Nobody cares about that movie anymore brandy's favorite movie
3: i want to watch it
2: it's good will you talk to me i enjoy it (laughs) i've got problems Mm -hmm. yeah i think i know i said i i think i would have liked an ending that kind of like you know wrapped things up a little better i don't even know if that's necessarily what i wanted like i feel ex machina leaves you with questions you know and i didn't feel like i was left with any like much more to chew on by the end of it whether Besides whether what we saw was real or not. Yeah, but I don't get hung up on that anymore. (laughs) I try not to either, but I don't know. It's like one of those things where like, if it's all in her head, that's also kind of cheap too, you know? Could be. Except the visual experience is there. But boy, the ride was fun.
1: Well, also like uh, the great um, Plato once said, leave them with questions, not answers. And we'll see you next week.
2: (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oxana again next time. Bye.